is Education Insight. I'm Lacey Kendall, your host for the debut of a unique show that looks at education in the Inland Empire. We discuss innovative schools, programs and teachers, and where problems lie, where Inland Empire schools need the most help. Dr. Tomas Morales, president of Cal State San Bernardino, joins us to share the challenges of guiding 20,000 students through and out of a pandemic. One of the region's most beloved educators, Judy White, shares some poetic words about Inland Empire schools later in our program. But first, we're talking about a unique organization called Growing Inland Achievement. Their team includes the superintendents of most of the region's school districts, college and university presidents as well, chancellors, and our greatest economic thinkers. Their goal is to work together to develop strategic solutions to local problems, problems created by economic disparity, racial inequities, and now a pandemic. Two of the leaders of that program, Dr. Carlos Ayala and Anne-Marie Sakrikov, join us by phone today. Welcome to Education Insight. First off, let's talk about how you ended up working in education. Well, I started off as a chemist. Uh, I was working down in Southern California in uh, Borrego Springs, and I was making fuel alcohol out of molasses out of the Imperial Valley and worked for a company called United Energy Corporation. 1985, we were making alternative fuels. It was a great company. Unfortunately, we were shut down, and I returned back to my adoptive hometown of Calexico, California, and I was out of work. I started a small construction business and did, you know, odds and ends in Calexico. And I was working on a roof in the middle of August and (laughs) it's kind of hot in August in Calexico. And the principal at the local middle school asked me if I had a degree in chemistry, which I did. And he asked me if I'd like to teach. And I knew that the classroom was going to be air conditioned and it was about 120 degrees. So I got off the roof and entered the classroom. That was 32 years ago. Wow. Between you and Carlos, you've been at Growing Inland Achievement the longest. So how did it get started? It actually originated with a Governor's Innovation Award grant under um, Governor Brown that both Cal State San Bernardino and UC Riverside collaborated on uh, because there was this need in the region to have an intersegmental collaborative approach to increasing educational attainment. At the time, and unfortunately still to today, we have some of the lowest educational attainment in the state. And so by collaborating, we knew it was the only way that we could actually um, improve educational attainment and help our citizens. And so they they applied for this grant, got the funding, uh, started this organization, and then recognized that we needed to have individuals on staff to help move this process forward. There at the beginning... What was GIA's mission and how does the organization go about achieving that? Well, actually, the the mission has stayed the same, right? Increasing educational attainment and building a a well-educated citizenry as well as a a thriving economy. And, you know, we started out with garnering support and gathering partners to try to figure out how do we attack this very large goal with the initiatives that were already uh, in place and try to align all of these different uh, great ideas 
towards this common mission and common goal. And, and that part has stayed the same. How we implement it has been scaled over the past five years with, of course, the increase in actual staff within GIA, but also with the exposure and collaborative nature uh, that we continue to grow uh, throughout the region. I know that people like Bill Gates and uh, the Bill Gates Foundation and, and others believe that the best way to attack helping a disparaged community is to enhance the education in that community. Was that at the back of your mind when your team was starting off with this new Growing Inland Achievement? Well, absolutely. It was really actually an initiative by connecting business and industry to education, recognizing that the only way to increase economic prosperity is through education and also understanding that those connections aren't always the strongest, right? And that our community needed to make sure that it understood what the needs of our businesses were and continue to be, Mm -hmm. as well as what are the support structures that our educational institutions are working diligently to develop and making sure that um, everyone, parents, students, families, were understanding what the great opportunity here in the Inland Empire is and how we can increase those connections between business and education. If you just joined us, you're listening to Education Insight. We're speaking today with Dr. Carlos Ayala and Anne-Marie Sakrakoff, the CEO and Chief Operations Officers, respectively, for Growing Inland Achievement, an organization that brings education and community leaders together to explore solutions to local problems. This question is for either of you. The way GIA brings organizations together seems a little unusual to the layman, to me. (laughs) If you could explain for us what a collective impact collaborative is and how it exactly works. Sure. Well, you know, uh, utilizing the collective impact framework really means that we as a region, all the partners, all the participants are owners of this work, right? It is not up to any one organization or any one person to be the only driver for that work. And it also means that GIA serves as the facilitator and we are, uh, you know, in a humble position. It is not about GIA and the work that GIA does. It is about our collective work on a common mission and a common set of goals to actually be successful. And, and yes, it is different. It is something that not everybody has either heard of the phrase or, or fully understands, but there are multiple collective impact groups throughout the region. And what GIA does is help to uh, work with all of those different organizations and bring in those partners. It's this idea that all are welcome to this space and that everyone has something to contribute to the growth of our community. Yeah, so what's really important about collective impact work is that you bring together leaders across different sectors and across different segments, and you have them prioritize what is important to be able to reach their goals and the regional goals. And then once you've done that, then you begin to set an agenda and tactics and action plans, and you begin working on those. And that's where the power of collective impact really comes out is when that collaboration begins to gain momentum and and, and move forward. Well, you've already experienced uh, some real change, or I should say caused some real change here in the Inland Empire. Could either of you tell me a little bit more about that? Okay, sure. So there there are multiple things that have come out of the the work of GIA. 
Uh, we're one of the only regions in the state of California where all 12 of our community colleges from Palo Verde all the way to Chafee, uh, from Barstow all the way down to Riverside are, are really uh, participating in, in the guided pathways work and working closely with national experts in, in transforming the colleges. And, and that work is about helping students go through the community college, complete on time, and have ways that those programs that they do are linked to the workforce or linked to future jobs. So uh, one of the unique contributions of GIA and the network, right, it's not just GIA, it's the network that did this, was that we were able to bring all 12 community colleges to be able to participate in that work. Another success that we've had is uh, the development of the Student Voice Project. And this was a project that was born out of collaboration with, with our local community partners, with our, with our regional uh, coordinators who work with the community colleges, Leslie and Angelica. And, you know, we created this qualitative study where we had some researchers review some students, interview them, and they drew some very important conclusions. And actually, one of our community colleges, Crafton Hills, actually executed changes on their campus to accommodate what was heard during the Student Voice Project. And I don't know if you knew this, Lacey, but so many of our community colleges this last year, because of the pandemic, actually had reduced enrollment. Mm. But Crafton Hills had the lowest reduced enrollment, and they are attributing it to the Student Voice Project. So that's just a small sampling of some of the the, the network transformations that have occurred. It sounds like they would welcome any time that you want to offer some support or some knowledge or some ideas that you have for what they're doing. Yes, they are. They're very, you know, they, the, the leadership at the community colleges and the universities are very much focused on transformation, very much focused on equity matters and, and finding the right way to to work with their staffs and faculties to enact that transformation is, is the delicate work of post-secondary leadership. But we also have successes, Lacey, with our innovation awards. And I'd like Anne-Marie to just to talk about those quickly. Sure. So our, our innovation award process and is really exciting for our region. It's allowed Growing Inland Achievement to utilize some of those main funds I spoke about earlier in this award that we received from the governor's office to then reinvest that in specific projects throughout the region. And so it's the idea that you take an, an idea that normally wouldn't be able to garner support from an outside funder and be able to fund that and help to cultivate that idea and make sure that it has uh, significant partners within the region to then scale it if it's successful. And so there has been some significant successes that we talk about in length on our on our website, but we also help to invest in Promise Scholars, a, a great project out of the Ontario Montclair School District who really connects all the way from kindergarten through all of their students to make sure that they are going to college and have the extra supports necessary for them to be successful in college. We also support a minority teacher pipeline to increase the number of Black and Latinx teachers in the pipelines for our school districts. And so these are, are really exciting ideas that come directly from the community, right, that come from this Inland Empire Educational Network that we can then help to garner support, um, pay for some of the resources, and then help to engage them in the collective impact work. I'm anxious to hear where the greatest success has occurred. But before, <laughs> before either one of you answer that, let's take a quick break. We're talking about education in the Inland Empire. 
with Dr. Carlos Ayala, CEO of Growing Inland Achievement, and Anne-Marie Sakrakov, the Chief Operations Officer. More in a moment. I'm Lacey Kendall, and this is Education Insight. Welcome back to Education Insight. We're talking about the organization Growing Inland Achievement on today's program. Dr. Carlos Ayala and Anne-Marie Sakrakov are joining us. Four years before the pandemic was even an issue, their organization began bringing local thinkers in education and economics together to develop solutions to problems here in the Inland Empire. Now, Back to our question, where have you two seen the greatest successes coming from bringing together all of these local education leaders? I think if I were to pick one thing that I would hold above all else, I would say it would be the Student Voice Project. One of the one of the challenges, Lacey, that we face in education is a philosophical stance that um, educators have, and it and many times when we talk and we think about education, we think about students as having deficits, right? Oh, you know, they are an underrepresented minority person. And because of that, they have these challenges that they face. That's very deficit thinking. And one of the challenges when you start thinking that way is that you put barriers in front of students, not allowing them to move forward. The Student Voice Project is an example of an asset-based approach where we say students have something to say about what's happening in college that would make it better for them and help them succeed. And because we were able to listen, we were able to garner some really clear, concise actions that campuses can do and implement and create change. And we've seen the benefits of those changes already. And so I, I would highlight that asset-based approach that the Student Voice Project exemplifies as probably one of our bright stars. Anne-Marie may not agree with me. What, what else would it be, Anne-Marie? I think that's a really good example, but I would also add the way that the region came together to face the COVID-19 crisis and the, the task force that developed out of our um, action network teams or ANTS. These are the way we conduct business in a collective impact way, right? They're cross-sector collaborative committees. And so then a cross-sector committee task force to better understand what was happening with our students under COVID. And we were able to digest in a very quick way what those needs really were, focusing on uh, technology, focusing in on basic needs support, and focusing in on supporting with advising the class of 2020. And so, you know, developed this large iestudents.org website with partners who were providing advising support to students, were able to find money to fund 
basic need support in various spaces, as well as technology support, working with new organizations who we'd never worked with before on getting broadband access for people in their homes. And so it was amazing how quickly people could be motivated and mobilized to face this crisis. And so I, I just was so proud of the region of how we all pulled together to figure out how to deal with such a, a big crisis. And those folks are still very much engaged in the process to this day and are continuing to modify and change and expand on the ideas that came out of the initial uh, stay-at-home orders. Anne-Marie brought up the elephant in the room, the pandemic and everything that comes along with COVID-19. When this whole episode, this bizarre moment in history began, uh, and then the economic shutdown occurred, were you worried that the goals of GIA were going to be really difficult to achieve now? Our goal, so I'm looking at goal number three, our lofty goal, build equitable structures in education to eradicate systemic racism. That's our goal. And we're focused on, uh, on, you know, raising educational rates and doing that sort of systems level change. The pandemic has really magnified inequities within the educational system. So in some ways, the pandemic has given us a leg up in addressing this this notion of ending systemic racism because it's on everybody's mind now and we could talk about it and and we don't have to be apologetic about it as we begin to march forward. Yeah. So this partner engagement that is at the core of Growing Inland Achievement, that was a big driver for your COVID-19 response strategy. Is that safe to say? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would say absolutely. And it was the, a driving issue from the very beginning, right? One of the challenges when you have an organization like GIA or, or other organizations similar to this, and there are there are several others within the region. You have Uplift uh, San Bernardino. You have some work happening at the County Office of Education in uh, San Bernardino. You have Coachella Valley and One Future. Um, there are these programs that are that have similar sort of operating ideas as GIA. One one of the challenges that you face is that that people you know, feel like there's a competition between the organizations. And that actually deters from the outcomes. And so what's very important for GIA is actually the creation of the network and the support of the network. This is not about GIA. This is about the network. It's what the network is able to accomplish. And GIA is just a facilitator. It's a, it's a structure in place to help the network move forward. For example, there's a big grant that in the region right now that we're working on. And, you know, GIA is in a position to help with that grant. And who's going to decide how we're going to proceed on that? It's the network that's going to decide. And then GIA is going to find ways to support how the network decides how we're going to approach. That's what changes things within the region when you have this kind of collective impact approach, is that you are supporting the network and the energy and the strength of the network to move things forward. It's not about GIA, it's about the strength of the network. And that's what the network was able to accomplish with the COVID response. GIA was just a vehicle to create those conversations, create those action plans, and then support the network as they carried those out. If you just joined us, you're listening to Education Insight. We're speaking today with Dr. Carlos Ayala and Anne-Marie Sakrikov, the CEO and Chief Operations Officers for Growing Inland Achievement. 
They bring leaders and thinkers from various institutions together in the same room to strategically address our local problems in education and improve outcomes. Were either of you nervous at that moment? that this began, that despite all the great input and the successes that you had already begun to achieve, that that would be uh, dampened notably because of the pandemic. We didn't focus on that, Lacey. What our focus was now we need to step up even higher. And because the, the folks who are in this educational network, they're very service oriented. They're really focused on supporting their students. And so when the pandemic hit and the classrooms were shut down in the middle of March of last year, people stepped up. And so GIA, as as the facilitator of the network, stepped up, too. And I, I don't think there was a moment when we when we said to ourselves, oh, no, we're not going to be able to uh, hit our goals. We just put our nose down to the grindstone and stepped into that work and supported our network to be able to better serve students. For sure. I, I think what was really interesting is as crazy as that initial time was, it was amazing how everybody was stepping up and we just said, okay, we're doing this, right? There wasn't, we didn't need to ask for permission. We knew we needed to do it. And so that was, that was really a phenomenal uh, experience to be a part of. And, you know, it continues to this day, continuing to, to work through these very um, heavy issues that we are trying to, to work through to better support our students. So Anne-Marie, you mentioned getting tools in the hands of students and getting resources and counseling and much needed help to those students. How do you see Growing Inland Achievement helping them as we progress through 2021 and into 2022? Moving forward into 2021, much of the infrastructure that we uh, help to set up with our partners around counseling advising uh, continues through the joint regional website, iestudents.org, that is continuing to move forward and, and be a support structure for students in the Inland Empire region. And I will say that many of the partnerships that happened because of the hard work during the initial stages of the pandemic and stay-at-home orders, those are continuing, right? We have committees that are set up that continue to meet uh, monthly to work on these issues and, and move and align around different projects and I think what, what will be interesting to see as we move into the future is what of the projects and programs and ideas that came out of the initial time of the pandemic are things that we want to continue and what are things that need to go away. And so I think when we look at digital education and the ability for students, particularly in the higher ed space, to take a course anywhere from any college or university, no matter you know where they currently live, that is a big opportunity for our students to get the education that they so desperately need, especially when they're in the very rural areas of our region. Would you say that because of this pandemic and everything that came along with it, that nobody wanted to happen, that Growing Inland Achievement has become a useful emergency assistance agency for education here in this community, should there be another future crisis? You know, it's an interesting thought, Lacey, that I've, I've thought about for a while because no one wanted to see a pandemic like this happen. There's there's hundreds of people who have died and thousands of people, millions of people who are suffering. But in reality, when you when you look back at this time, I hope that history will show that people stepped up and were able to make changes and su support their fellow citizen 
And I will also say that Growing Inland Achievement is not unique in this in that many organizations were able to step up. But what we did have was the groundwork laid over the last five years to actually do this work, right? Mm -hmm. Setting up a task force to look at COVID-19 and figure out ways to solve it within a month is not something that you can just do overnight if you haven't built the trust amongst partners to say, yes, this is something we can actually do together. Mm -hmm. And so because of the hard work of our board and all of the members of our action network teams and our staff, you know, we were in, it just happened to be in, you know, a prime position to be able to then support the region to move these ideas forward and support our citizens. What kinds of change are you hoping to see in the future due to growing inland achievement? The kind of change that I'm hoping to see in the Inland Empire in the future because of the work of growing inland achievement falls into two categories. The first is this idea and notion about better student outcomes. Ultimately, the work of Growing Inland Achievement is about raising the educational level of the IE with a focus on economic development. And our goal is to, to really have an impact on those metrics. So seeing a, an increase in the mean salary of the region would be a very important change I would like to see. 20% increase in that space. And I would also expect to see an increase in the number of people who have some college and no degree. Uh, we're currently about 24% have some college and no degree. I'm hoping we're able to convert those over into folks who have a college degree uh, or a certificate of some kind in the region. And those are going to be if we can raise those numbers, that's going to have a huge economic impact in the region. People won't have to have two or three jobs to make ends meet. There'll be better opportunities for increased, uh, better paying jobs in the region because employers are going to say, look, the IE has a diverse population and they have a well-trained workforce. So they will come into our region and bring in new, cleaner sort of jobs. And I imagine that over time that, you know, we'll be attending to the environmental issues of the Inland Empire as well as we begin to have sustainable uh, logistics and uh, we start really focusing in on the work that CARB is going to be doing and uh, and supporting, you know, the environmental issues. So a greener, verdant, more economically flourishing region, that's what GIA is intending to do, and we're marching forward in that space. You've been listening to Education Insight. Our guests today, Dr. Carlos Ayala and Anne-Marie Sakrikov, the CEO and the Chief Operations Officer for Growing Inland Achievement, an organization that is creating strategic collaborations of the top leaders from many organizations to enhance outcomes for Inland Empire students. So we want to thank both of you for taking the time to join us today. Thank you, Lacey. Gracias. Thank you, Lacey. A poem for Inland Empire educators is ahead on our program. But first, we're speaking with Dr. Tomas Morales, president of Cal State San Bernardino and chair of the advisory board for Growing Inland Achievement. When the pandemic began, he and GIA board members gathered to provide CPR of sorts to local grade schools, junior colleges, and to universities, uncertain how to respond as the state shut down. At the same time, he was working to keep Cal State San Bernardino courses running for 20,000 
enrolled students. Dr. Morales, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me today. So let's just start by saying, what is this moment in time like for the president of Cal State San Bernardino? Well, you know, it's, a, it's an exciting time. Um, you know, putting the pandemic aside for a second, it's really just an exciting time to be a member of the Cal State San Bernardino community, to be its president, to work with just an extraordinary number of faculty and staff and students and student leaders to move the institution forward, to ensure that the institution is meeting the needs of the community that we serve. Um, And as you know, our service region is uh, 27,000 square miles. That's the entire San Bernardino and Riverside County region known as the Inland Empire. It would be the 25th largest state in the United States. Mm -hmm. So it's an exciting time for Cal State San Bernardino. It's also trying. It's a trying time. I mean, we are managing the pandemic. And the good news is that we have one of the lowest infection rates of any institution of higher education in California and uh, and in the nation. Um, And I think that we've had great cooperation and support from members of our university community. And so we continue to manage the pandemic and we're planning for a summer session, our first semester summer session in the semester calendar that will be completely virtual. And we're planning for the fall 2021, where we hope we will be repopulating the campus at some level, depending on the infection rate. It sounds like there's a lot of work ahead to get a university ready for everyone to begin returning. But simultaneously, you're working with growing inland achievement and trying to address the problems throughout the region. Tell us about that and about the goals of the team at GIA. Growing on achievement has, has several goals uh, to improve the college-going culture, to increase the A through G completion rate, to improve math readiness, to enhance the uh, baccalaureate degree attainment rate throughout the region. And so the GIA has really evolved into an exciting program with extraordinary leadership from our president and CEO, Dr. Carlos Ayala, uh, Sheila Thornton from the Coachella Valley, and Paul Granillo from IEEP, and myself, and Judith White, the former, who's now retired, former superintendent of Riverside Schools, formed the search committee. And we uh, went out and searched for a leader of the GIA and We're very fortunate to attract someone with the experience that Carlos Ayala brought to the table, uh, having served as the Dean of Education at Sonoma State University. And so the GIA continues to evolve, and there are uh, just exciting metrics that we've been seeing an improvement in each of the goals that I just described. And it has now uh, been um, established as a 501c3. Uh, I'm currently serving as its chair. The chair is a rotating assignment for the board member, and we'll be expanding the board. And we've just simply uh, most recently adopted new bylaws. So which is an exciting time. GIA is really having an impact on the region, working with all 56 school districts through the two county superintendents, Ted Alejandre in San Bernardino 
and now Edwin Gomez, the Riverside County School Superintendent. Where would you say the greatest work has occurred for this team at GIA? The exciting work is we've created a a wonderful um, structure that includes a chief operating officer, that includes a PhD-led organization, Carlos Ayala. Uh, We have an incredible institutional research arm where we're really measuring um, and assessing the accomplishments that we set out, the goals that we set out. I mean, just to give you an example, we're literally tracking every single high school graduate throughout Riverside and San Bernardino counties to see what percentage of them are going on to college, whether it's a college within the state of California or outside the state of California. We're looking at, you know, are they graduating from college? Are they earning certificates? Are they earning an associate's degree? Uh, we've established a transfer pathway uh, program where we're very intentional about ensuring that students who intend to earn a baccalaureate degree but first access a community college are able to go from an associate's degree to a baccalaureate degree without losing credits, without losing time. Um, and so we're creating very significant pathways to the baccalaureate degree. Um, And so they're just a very, very exciting time for us within GIA. As I mentioned earlier, GIA is now its own 501c3, so it's kind of broken off from the partners that are represented on the board, including CSUSB, UCR, IEEP, and others. Um, It's broken off into an independent nonprofit organization, and it's moving forward on a number of fronts. I think the most significant achievement is that we were selected, GIA, as one of 12 organizations in the United States to receive funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to Mm -hmm. improve the college-going culture and improve student success, both at the K-12 level and community college and baccalaureate degree levels. You mentioned the, uh, the Gates Foundation. Bill Gates has said that the best way to improve a community is to start with the education system, and then it'll fold out into the economics of that area. Do you believe that's true here? Absolutely. Absolutely. It starts with early childhood education. You know, UNESCO says that it's more than preparation for primary school. You know, it really aims to at, at a holistic development of a child's social, emotional, cognitive and physical needs in order to build a, a, a this broad foundation uh, of, of a region, in order to attract companies, employment opportunities for uh, the residents of the Inland Empire. A, a well-educated workforce is critically important. And we all know that not only important as an engine for the economy to bring higher levels of income to residents, it's also important for the social fabric of the region. So, for example, you know, statistically, I mean, putting the economics aside, I mean, clearly college graduates earn a significant higher level of income than high school graduates. College graduates vote at higher levels. College graduates are more civic-minded than uh, non-college graduates. So there's a really societal benefit to increasing the college-going culture of a particular region. And as you know, uh, 
The Inland Empire, unfortunately, has one of the lowest baccalaureate degree attainment rates of any metropolitan area of over a million people. And that was the, the motivation for us in 2014 to go out and seek this $5 million prize from the governor, then Governor Brown, to really kickstart, if you will, this organization. And we decided at Cal State San Bernardino to take a collective approach. Earlier in our program, we were speaking with Anne-Marie Sakrakov, the director of operations, and she said that every single project at GIA is difficult, every single one of them without exception. Why is that? Well, you know, um, change is difficult. I mean, um, you know, first of all, when you look at our region, the, the region was hit very, very hard during the 2008 recession. Uh, the region is a region, uh, one of the three inland regions of California. California is a very coastal-centric state. And so when you look at the coastal communities, they're more, more affluent. They have higher educational attainment. Uh, when you look at the inland regions of the Central Valley, the Inland Empire, the Imperial Valley, you find, um, unfortunately, a higher rates of poverty. You find lower rates of educational attainment and uh, higher unemployment rates, et cetera. So the GIA is working with all of the organizations that I mentioned, all of the educational organizations, nonprofit organizations, to improve the quality of life for uh, the Inland Empire. And so it is difficult. It's difficult work. Um, it's also, when you think about other regions that uh, across the country have transformed themselves and have improved college-going culture, there are very few examples that are as large in terms of population, in terms of just simple geography than the GIA. So when you, again, go back to our region, 27,000 square miles, it, it would be the 25th largest state. So we're really operating a statewide program, a statewide initiative to improve the college-going culture. What do you see as the most important thing or things that must happen if we're going to change the outlook for the inland region? Think about that for a minute as we take a quick break. We'll be right back with Dr. Tomas Morales, president of Cal State San Bernardino. We're talking education, and this is Education Insight. Support provided by College Futures Foundation, working to catalyze systemic change, increase college degree completion, and close equity gaps so that the dream of opportunity can become a reality available to every student, regardless of zip code, skin color, or income, at collegefutures.org. Welcome back to Education Insight. We're talking today about an Inland Empire program that has tasked itself with resolving some of the biggest problems in local education. And those that are leading the group are all heavy hitters, from superintendents to college and university presidents. Dr. Tomas Morales, 
president of Cal State San Bernardino, sits on the board of directors and is speaking with us here today. Before the break, doctor, I asked what thing or things must happen if we're going to change the future of education in the Inland Empire. Your thoughts? You know, Lacey, it's hard to select one. So let me rattle off just a, a few, if, if I may. Okay. So, so third grade reading levels, right? We have to improve throughout Riverside and San Bernardino County, third grade reading levels, because students learn to learn at the third grade. If you're in third grade and you're not reading at the third grade level, you're not learning as a child. So that's critically important. Sixth grade math proficiency, critically important, A through G completion rates. We know that California has the most iconic public system of higher education in the United States. California State University, close to 500,000 students, 55,000 faculty and staff from Humboldt to San Diego the UC system with world-class research institutions and the 119 community colleges, an incredible, expansive public higher education system. And we also have very, very good private nonprofit institutions like Cal Baptist and uh, Redlands University, Laverne and others. And so in order for us to ensure that we are all working together, um, we have to improve the uh, college preparation. Uh, So students do not need to take remedial courses or developmental courses when they enter. They're ready to do college level work when they enter the academy. And in California, that curriculum is entitled the A through G curriculum. And in fact, in order to even apply for a seat at the uh, University of California or the California State University, you must complete the A through G curriculum. And so when students enter the ninth grade from middle school, that is a major transitional period in a young person's life because that's when they must start to take college preparatory courses. And so the project to increase The A through G completion rate is critical uh, in order for us to level the playing field for all students, regardless of socioeconomic status, regardless of race, regardless of where you live and your zip code, whatever your zip code is, it doesn't matter that you have an equal opportunity to complete the pre-college curriculum so that you're ready to be successful as a college student. With all of the things that have happened, we've seen on television over the last year, has that changed the way that Cal State San Bernardino or growing inland achievement even uh, prioritizes equity? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, we, uh, you know, Cal State San Bernardino for over 55 years has been an anchor institution. We're stewards of place. We're, we're, we're not the ivory tower on the hill. We are just the opposite. We are an institution that loves our community. We are part of our community. Um, and so that is part of our DNA, service to the community. 
And what about GIA and equity? Well, you know, important. I mean, GIA at its core values diversity, inclusion, and equity. It wants to ensure that the the playing field is leveled. In other words, there is so much talent that needs to be nurtured and cultivated in the Inland Empire. And what we what the GIA is committed to doing is ensuring that poverty, that race, that socioeconomic status, that language, you know, immigration status does not interfere with the opportunities that every young person should have as they grow up in the Inland Empire. So Cal State San Bernardino, hopefully, fingers crossed, returning the team in the fall? We're looking at the science, the medical science. We're hoping that in the fall we'll see the opportunity to repopulate the campus. To what percentage we don't know at this point, but we'll certainly uh, are hopeful that we can begin our journey back to quote unquote normalcy uh, in the fall. Dr. Morales, you excited about getting the band back together again? <laughs> I am. I'm, I'm, I am. I'm working from home most of the time. I, I, I was on campus yesterday doing a video, but um, you know, we have a great strategic communications team, as you know, just a wonderful community uh, at Cal State San Bernardino. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward. I miss the campus and I miss interacting. You know, higher education is a people business. And I'm, I certainly miss interacting with my uh, colleagues uh, and our students. All right. Well, good luck with that. Uh, if you just joined us, you're listening to Education Insights. Our guest has been Dr. Tomas Morales, president of California State University, San Bernardino, also the chair of the board of directors for Growing Inland Achievement. Dr. Morales, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today. Well, thank you for having me. As we close our program today, we offer a poem from a beloved Inland Empire teacher, administrator, Riverside County Superintendent of Schools, and a community leader. Judy White retired recently and offers us these words of wisdom. We are the Inland Empire, always evolving to be better than the year before. We are the Inland Empire, facing every challenge with hope and dreams with fervor. And I stand here as a history maker, stereotype breaker, and world innovator, you see. Declaring that education, collaboration, faith, hope, and love still break the cycles of poverty. We are the Inland Empire, where diversity forever reigns. We have survived fires, floods, earthquakes, and droughts, and intense rains. Although we don't have skyscrapers that go 40 stories in the sky, we still look up as we reflect on our purpose and our why. We are the Inland Empire as we grieve over death and feel so real. As viruses shut down unemployment, no hospital beds continue until. Let's take an inch if we can't take a foot as long as there's breath in our lungs. Let's keep our faith, attend to our family as it is well with my soul is sung. We will all reset our minds and lace it with strength by giving. Let us see who needs anything that we might have 
that will help them in their living. We are growing in achievement. We are in an action and mourning groups. We are seeing the United Way, schools and government, IEP, trying to help do truth. Because the truth is, we share humanity and it is clear like never before. Let's take our collective resources and concentrate on opening equity doors. Let me encourage you also clearly, for miracles I do believe, we will rise higher than the phoenix as we discover the victory seeds. There is victory in faith and realizing that our next steps will be our best choice, honoring each other as human beings, proclaiming unity with a single voice. So if anyone asks you about Dr. White, did she really retire? Say she is loving us to be our best because we are the Inland Empire. Inland Empire. Inland Empire. Inland Empire. And that wraps up our debut edition of Education Insight, a program about education in the Inland Empire. On our next program, we're looking at how to achieve equity in Inland Empire education. Be sure and join us for that. This program is produced in partnership with KVCR San Bernardino. Our executive producer is Jacob Poor. Our production engineer is Tyler Vesey. Join us again next time for another Education Insight. I'm Lacey Kendall.